Hey there, and welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join in with us today. Now, we're always inspired to hear how God is using Limitless Church to change lives. If you have a story to share of how God has used this ministry in your life, would you take a moment and send us an email at mystory@limitlesschurch.online? Now, you can also support this ministry financially. By doing so, you help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every single week. You can do that online at limitlesschurch.online slash give. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. As you see it, turn to your neighbor and say, it's the robe in the ring. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to go through the whole series we've been doing all this time, but I am just going to zero in on this text today. Because I don't want to take much time because I want to dig right into it. But if you wanted the premise of where we are, just know this, that, that we believe that everything that, that is about God and in this Bible is really about a father and a son that comes to a kingdom. That he's a king of kings and a lord of lords. That means, that means he's not just king greater than any other king. See, we always talk of it about him being king of kings, like he's the big king over all the, that, that's greater than any other king. And that's true, but that's deep. there's something deeper when you call him king of kings. He's just not a greater king than any other king. If he's the king of kings, that means that everything that comes out of him is a king itself. Because he's the king of kings. That means that if you are born of him, he's not just a king, but because you're the king's kid, you're a king yourself. That's why he said, what, that's why David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of, son of man that thou should look upon him. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, but you have crowned him. With glory and honor. David said, what is it that you would call me your son, that me being the son of man, that I'm made lower than the angels, but you crown me with glory and honor? It's because the king has birthed you as a son, and now you are a king, and he is the king of a king. Is anybody with me? And we, see, we need to understand that today because we need to understand who we are. You need to understand that, that we've raised this generation now where we almost don't want to, we, don't want, we want to walk so humbly and we need to walk humbly. But while you're walking humbly, don't walk without confidence. Confidence is not arrogance. <laughs> arrogance is pride in yourself. Confidence is, is strength. In him. Confidence comes from you knowing who you are. Arrogance is about bragging about who you are. But you can, you can be confident and not be arrogant. You never need to be arrogant, but don't you ever lose your confidence. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Look at never say, I am confident. I am confident of this thing. 
That's what he said in the scripture. I am confident. That means I speak confidence. Why confidence? It's because the king himself has put a crown of glory and honor on your head because you are a son of the king. That means when you walk in the room, everything that is spiritual has to bow. Oh, is anybody with me right now? Why? It's because you are a king. There's going to come a time for you to take your crown off, but today is not that day. There's going to come a time for us to take the crown and place it at his feet. There's going to come a time when you're not going to need the crown anymore because you're going to be in heaven and there's no need for you to have the crown anymore because all the authority he gave you, you can give back to him. But right now, where you're living, you better put that crown back on your head. That situation you're walking through, you better put that crown back on your head. That situation with your family, you better put that crown back on the head. In fact, today, I, I, I speak an, I speak. Today, a coronation in the house of God to declare that God is crowning you with glory and honor because you're a son of the king. And now when you walk back in your house and come into your living room, you need to speak to some things that thought it had dominion over you and declare, I take dominion over you with the authority that's been given to me. Woo! Touch your neighbor say, you're a king. You're a king. You're a king. That's why he says, you are, a royal, you are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, that you should show forth the praises of him. That means that you are a king and a priest, because we come through the lineage and the ordination of Jesus, which is the ordination of Melchizedek, who is both a king and a priest. Huh. That means you are both have access to the mercy seat, and access to the throne room. Whew. That's why we can come boldly unto the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Is because there's nothing that is shut out from you because the throne room has been opened to you. Is anybody with me in here? And so somebody say, I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm, I'm a son. We begin through this whole, whole, whole series understanding the role of spiritual fatherhood to spiritual sonship. That you have three fathers. You have a heavenly father. Yes, you do. You have a natural, natural father. Yes, you do. Whether you like him or not, you got one. Amen? And, 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 but number three, you need to find and, and begin to understand who your spiritual father is. It's because your spiritual father is the one that's holding what God has for you in him that he might pour over you what is, and release what is inside of you. Mm -hmm. Touch your neighbor and say, you need a spiritual father. That means you can't walk in authority until you're under authority. That means you can't be a father until you're first a son. Show me a father that wasn't first a son. It's impossible. Because you have to understand sonship before you understand fatherhood. That means you have to be led before you can lead. You have to have served a leader before you can lead a servant. You have to be serve a father before you can birth sons. And how you serve as a son 
will determine, and your connection to a father as a son determines what will be connected to you as a father. And so, and so today, I want to begin to deal with, there's no greater text about fatherhood than sonship that's been preached over and over and over and over and over again in, in Scripture and in church than this text. But today, if you know me, I'm going to mess it up. Amen. They never say he's about to mess up the prodigal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if the prodigal can get more messed up, he's going about to mess him up. The Bible, it starts out, this verse starts out and says, there was a certain man that had two sons. Somebody say two sons. Two sons is important in God. You need to understand there is a principle called the principle of, two, of the second son. You need to understand that God always has two sons. Somebody say two sons. <laughs> two sons is important because it overrides the understanding of, of inheritance in the natural. Because in the natural, in the earth realm, whenever you have two sons, the blessing always goes to the older son. The inheritance always falls to the, to the eldest. In, God, in, 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 in the natural, if you have a will and it's given down through your generations and you didn't, and you didn't necessarily uh, uh, annote who gets what, that it goes, if your spouse is not available, then the next heir would be the eldest because the blessing goes to the next in line and the next in kin would be the oldest son. But God has a way of reversing the earthly order. God has a way of messing the natural up. Oh, hallelujah. Because God has a way of always blessing the unexpected. God has a way of blessing the ones that never thought they were the, in line for the blessing. And so whenever God shows two sons, the blessing never falls on the oldest son. The blessing always comes on the second son. Look at them say, hi, I'm a second son. Hi, I'm a second son. Yeah, whether you're talking about Cain and Abel, the blessing comes on the second son. Because Cain was born first. Abel was born second, but when God got ready to pr pronounce the blessing, God pronounced the blessing over the second son. Somebody say the second son. Whether you're talking about Cain and Abel, or whether you're talking about Esau and Jacob, that even though he got it through trickery and cunning of his mother, it was still in the plan and purpose of God that while Esau was supposed to get the blessing because he's the oldest, God worked even in the error and mistake to work it out that the blessing would fall on Jacob and not on Esau because the blessing in God is on the second son. It doesn't whether you're talking about Cain and Abel, whether you're talking about Esau and Jacob, whether you're talking about Phaez and Zerah, there is always the blessing that falls on the second son. Whether you're talking about, whether you're talking about Cain and Abel, Phaez and Zerah, whether you're talking about Esau or Jacob, or whether you're talking about Adam and Jesus, the blessing is always on the second son. Adam is the first created son. Jesus is the only begotten son, and he is the second Adam because he's the second son. That means what the first son got me into, the blessing of the second son will get me out of. Hey, that's your neighbor say, watch out for the second son. <laughs> Watch out for the ones that weren't supposed to be anointed. Watch out for the ones that weren't supposed to get it. Watch out for the ones that weren't supposed to receive the blessing and inheritance. Ask jo Joseph what it's like to be the unexpected one that puts on the coat of favor. Ask 
Ask David what it's like to be out in the backyard when Samuel shows up and he sees the firstborn and thinks it's him, but God has to arrest the prophet. He said, nope, you missed this one, prof. This one goes to the second sons of the kingdom. <laughs> Woo! Don't you ever say, hi, I'm a second son. I ain't even supposed to be here. I ain't even supposed to have made it this far. I'm not supposed to be walking in this kind of blessing. I'm not supposed to be walking in this kind of anointing. I'm not supposed to be walking in this kind of favor. But I'm a second son. The church better get ready because God's about to go rescue the lost sons of Zion. God's about to go find the unexpected and bring home the second sons of the kingdom. Whew. And so the Bible, that's all in the first verse. Y'all with me today? He had two sons. Somebody say two sons. He had two sons. He had two sons, and the younger of the sons said unto the father, Give unto me the portion of goods that falls unto me. And we always preach this like this is a rags the riches story. We always preach this like, like that the that like that this son was broke and then had to reach up and say, I want all my stuff. And so we always give him a hard time like he's this guy who's greedy. But this is not a story about greed. This is a story about control. Because he didn't improve his lifestyle by the goods falling to him. When he said, give me the goods that falleth unto me, he never improved his lifestyle by getting the portion of goods that fell unto him because he already was in the father's house and already had access to all the father's goods. That means he didn't get richer by getting the portion that fell under him. He already had the portion. It was just under the control of the father, but always accessible to him. That means this is not a rags the riches story. This is a story about control, because that's always what it's about. See, there's never been a money problem in church. Quiet now. Let me sit down. There's never been a money problem in church. Money problems are not money problems. Money problems are control. Why? Same reason why when Jesus is getting worshipped, by a woman with an alabaster box and it's got her entire life savings in it and she comes in the middle of all these prolific profound men who are talking about her where there's a rumor about her and she comes at the feet of Jesus and shatters the box that cost her her entire life savings in order to get and pours the ointment over his feet and washes his hair, washes his feet with her hair and suddenly in the midst of all of that one of the disciples jumps up and says this is a waste. I wonder who that disciple is. Mm -hmm. We'll find out who he is later when he's ready to sell him out for a few silver pieces. Because Judas doesn't show up at the end. Judas shows up in the middle of offering. Judas doesn't show up at the beginning of offering. Judas show, shows up after. Judas shows up after offering. Because he didn't say she shouldn't give it. He said, what a waste. Not that she gave the offering, but where it went. 
Because he said the waste was not that she gave it to Jesus. He said the waste is that this could have been spent to feed the poor. See, you never had a money problem in church because they don't mind you giving. They just want to control where it goes once it's given. See, you, don't, you haven't really given it if you're still in control of it. Wow. That's why you get mad whenever the preacher gets a new pair of shoes. It's because you think you paid for his gaiters. And meanwhile, you're struggling to pay groceries and you paid your tithes and he's wearing them skins. We don't wear skins no more. That's 90s. Now we wear Gucci. And so, it's because we, we, want, we, we, we don't, it's not that we don't want to give, not that we don't mind giving, we just want to be able to control where it is because we want to be able to control where it should go to the poor. It could go to the poor. I love it how people all of a sudden become so, so consumed with giving to the poor. Like, it's amazing to me. And Jesus turns, I love Jesus, because Jesus turns and says, the poor, you're going to have always. He said, listen, there's one thing you ain't never going to run out of, broke people. You, <laughs> even in your own family, you ain't never going to run out. Somewhere around you, you're going to be able to find you a broke person. He said, the poor, you're going to have always. He said, I don't care how much you give. Not that we don't, we need to feed the, we need to feed the, those that you're hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. You were in jail and you prison me. It's not, he's not saying not to do that. He's just saying, don't think that your humanitarian effort is more important than your worship. Oh, I can go home. God bless you. Pronounce the benediction. Why? It's because we reduce church down to humanitarianism. We become just another nonprofit because all we equate to the churches, well, they, they do this outreach and they do that outreach, and we're going to do all those outreaches, but we need to understand something, that, this, that that outreach of humanitarianism, me giving you groceries is not my tithe. Me giving you groceries is not my worship to God. It's my service to God. In order for me to order be blessed, I can't take my tithe money and buy mama groceries. You need to buy mama groceries after you paid your tithes because I can't bless mama with what belongs to God. I have to bless mama with what left belongs to me. Is, it, is anybody with me right now? It's control. He said, give it to me. Not because I'm going to get more than I have. I just want to be able to control what I do with it. See, some people, they want God, but they only want God to empower their life. They want God to empower what they want. They don't want to submit to what he wants. They want to control his power to give them power to get what See, God's not interested in empowering your life. God's interested in giving you a new life. In fact, you'll never really find your life till you're ready to lay your life down. He said, whatever you thought you had planned for your life, I need you to submit that to me. 
And when you're ready to lose that life, I'll give you a life you could have never dreamed of in all your plans. God said, why do you think your plan's better than mine? Why do you think your control over what you want is better than me? He said, if you'll let me, I will do abundantly and exceedingly above all you could ever ask or ever think. He said, I want you to think of all you would ever do with all you could ever have. And then now, think about that. Now, I'm going to do abundantly, exceedingly, above all you could ever ask or not just ask. All you can even, I can think about some blessing now. I can think about some stuff. Is anybody with me in here? And God said, when you're done thinking, know what I have for you is more than you can ever think of. And But the, the son says, it's not about greed, it's about control. He said, I want the stuff that belongeth unto me. We don't have time today. But the, the text says, and he divided unto them his living. That when, that when he gave it, he didn't just give it to the younger son. When he released the inheritance, he released it to the younger son and the oldest son. He divided unto them his living. That's going to come important later on in the story. When later on in the story, the older brother gets upset when the younger son gets restored. Because we have a tendency to always feel like when we stay and others didn't, that we're entitled. See, some of us think because you've been saved for 30 years, you have more right to God than someone that got saved three days ago. But God will overstep somebody who's been with him 30 years but never took advantage of it just to get somebody who's hungry three days old to get the blessing. Because God's not impressed with your longevity. <laughs> He's been here before you were. God, God is not impressed with how long you've been saved. God's not impressed with how long you've been, because just because you've been saved a long time doesn't make you, doesn't give you seniority in God to the goods of the Father. Because the principles are more important than the person. That means I'm not, he's not into how long you've been here. Because you can be doing, you can be doing something a long time doesn't mean you're doing it right. And we like to brag about how long we've been doing it. But God wants to know, for all you've been doing, does it work? Do you have something to show for it? Because I'm wondering now, because, wait a minute. Like somebody, I saw somebody got saved th three weeks ago, and then they filled up a whole pew behind them. That's three weeks ago. You've been saved how long? By now... There should be standing room only for 30 years of witness. Oh, it's quiet now. Well, oh, but I've been in the house. I didn't go out there and do that. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't have that kind of testimony where I just forgot God and forsake him. God, I've been faithful all this time. He said, he said, why are you angry? When he, later on he comes to him, he says, why are you blessing this, this, your son? He says, you had me with you all the time. He said, don't get angry because I blessed him when you could have taken advantage of the blessing all the time. 
that's why I get, I get, I get, I get kind of, I laugh sometimes at people who get upset with new, new believers who shout and dance and jump and holler and scream and roll on the floor like they're just sitting there like, oh, just wait, honey. It'll wear off. I feel like running up to them going, is that what happened to you? What they do to you for you to lose your shout? What they do to you for you to not believe in the presence of God? What they do to you to make you forsake His glory? What they do to you to hurt you so bad that now what is spiritual you call emotional? Have you been here so long? Jesus said it this way, have I been with you so long that you forgot who I am? Have you had access to my presence so much that now you take my presence for granted? Is it just another service? Is it just another move of God? I don't know about you, but I'm done with just going through the motions. I don't know about you, but I'm done with just going to church and going to work and going home and going to church and going to work and going home and going to church and go. I need a fresh encounter from God every day. I need His mercies to be new every morning. I want the kind of experience with Him that feels like I've never experienced it before. How many are ready for a fresh outpouring of God? And the, man, and the son took the goods. Anybody getting anything yet? We're just warming up. He said, don't worry, I won't keep you forever. I'll get your Father's Day roast done. He said, he, said, he gave, took the portion of goods, and he took the goods and left the house. I love it because it doesn't say that when he left the house, that the house went into poverty. <laughs> because here's the deal. I get amazed sometimes how people think that if they leave church, that the church is going to fall apart. Has anybody gone to that church before? Anybody been in that church where they they held the pastor for ransom? Like, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm taking my tithe check and leaving the church. And especially if they were big tithe givers, like they would find a way to use their tithe to manipulate whatever they wanted. And if they didn't get what they want, they'd always threaten it over the pastor's head, like I'm going to leave the church. It was too loud. If you don't turn it down, I ain't going to stay in this church. It's too hot. It was too cold in there today. It was too hot in there today. Somebody needs to change. Until now, you got all these puppet masters pulling strings everywhere trying to control, and you got some pastors that are trying to juggle all of these guys to make sure they're happy everywhere all the time. And it's like a cart being pulled by five oxen in five different directions because each of them have their own agenda. But Jesus will break the tie and break the chain. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody with me right now? Because there's this control. This control. Give me, give me the portion that falls. If you don't take, if you, I love it because when he left the house, I love it because this, that's the beautiful thing about the house. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom is that the kingdom's not funded by you. It's funded through you. Don't think it's by you. He said, give and it shall be given unto you 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall I cause men to give unto the bosom. He said, I'm going to cause them to give to the bosom, but don't ever think it came from them. It came through them. I gave them the opportunity to be blessed as the channel that I give my blessing through. And they're going to get blessed because they are willing to be the blessing. Oh, see, don't think that your giving is ever God's favor. Like you're giving God a favor. No, we created an altar to give you the opportunity to be the one God blesses because you're able to obey him and let the blessing come through. Oh, honey, you can wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk. You can wake up tomorrow and not get out of bed. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Let me come over here and preach over here. This time. Because, because, because you need to understand that you everything you do in here empowers what you do out there. What you do out there does not empower what goes on in here. What goes on in here is what gives you the blessing, the strength, the life to do what you do. When you obey God in here, you become the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come. See, that's for every tither in this room. You've been giving your tithe. You need to walk out of here like you're loaded with heat on your side. You need to walk out of here like you're carrying a 45. You need to walk out of here like when you walk in the room, God, I expect blessing in my life. I expect there to be miracles. I expect there to be increase because I obeyed you. Now you got to bless me. He gave it, watch this. He took the portion and went out of the house. And the house didn't break down. Why? It's because he just got a but the problem is is that he thinks that he can leave the house and still be connected to the source see the danger is that you take the goods that God blesses and then you do your thing because then there's a season when you're doing your thing and God's blessing is still in your life But sooner or later, the portion runs out. Sooner or later, when you leave from under him, you leave what was pouring into you. And now you have a portion where you once had the source. And sooner or later, you get to the point where the portion runs out. And when the portion runs out, it causes you to compromise things you would have never compromised when you still had the good. Because when the portion runs out, I love it that he says, and he spent all he had. All. Somebody say all. Because I'm glad it said all, and I'm glad it said substance and not money. Because if you would have said money, you would think the only thing you lose when you leave God is money. But I'm glad he said substance because money's the lightest thing you lose when you leave God. 
David said, where would I go? Where would I go if thou would withdraw thy presence from me? He said, where do I go if I leave your presence leaves me? He said, because the greatest thing in my life is not the riches, it's not the wealth, it's not the throne. The greatest thing in my life has always been the presence of God. Because if I'm where you are, you're all I'll ever need. If I'm where you are, that's why David said, this one thing I desire, this one thing I pursue, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I just want to be in daddy's house. Because if I'm in daddy's house, I don't have to worry about my stuff. I can let him control my stuff because I'm under the covering of his house. And so he does what you do, he spends it all. And when he's lost all of it, then he starts connecting to things that he would have never connected to before. Because I've been a lot of places in the world, and there are a lot of people that equate greedy people who have a lot of money but don't give any away and stingy as people who make money their God. We always look at wealthy people. And we say, look how they made money there. But can I tell you, I've been through a lot of world and a lot of places. Can I tell you what makes money your God? An excessive Because I've, I've done, I've seen people do things for money that I never saw anyone ever do with money. Because when you're empty, you're fine trying to find anything to fill. And if you've ever gone into any third world country, you've seen what poverty will do without God. Because suddenly, the moment I have to survive at the cost of my righteousness, I now have placed money in my survival over my relationship with God. And now I have the excuse the enemy gives me is because I don't have enough. That's why I have to do this. And God knows my heart. No, that's the problem. The problem is God knows your heart. Quiet in here. Because any time that you compromise what God would, would require in obedience to Him for your own survival. And it gets difficult when you're holding a baby who's screaming, crying, pray, and wanting nothing but food. And then you have a choice. Do I go sleep with a man for money to feed my baby and lose my salvation and my righteousness and my walk with God? Or do, or do I stay righteous and trust God that somehow He's going to feed this baby. Real quiet. Because then it really becomes about what do you do? And there he is doing what he said he'd never do. With who he said he'd never do. And he joined himself to strangers. See, that's where the church is. Churches now, because we didn't want to submit to all of God's spiritual things. We wanted to do this our way. 
that now we've reached a point where our ways run out. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's about to be a shift, transition in the body of Christ. Is it okay if I prophesy to you for a minute? Because the substance is running out. We've left some things of God behind us in order to be able to connect to some things that are outside the house. But the problem is we're more connected to what's outside the house than we are anymore. Until now, you can walk in church and not even know if you're in church or not. And it doesn't have to do with lights or music or anything. It has to do with principle. It has to do with presence. It has to do with the things of God. And now the substance is running out, and there's about to be a wake-up call. Is anybody hearing me right now? They can never say there's about to be a wake-up call. See, there's somebody in this room, God's about to restore you back to the walk you once had with him. God, oh, ha, 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 ha. Maybe we sing an old, old story today because God wants to bring you back into an old, old glory. Maybe God wants to bring you back into a real relationship with him. Maybe God wants to bring you back to the place where you would let God move over you in the middle of service, and if you started shaking, you didn't care who saw you next to you. Maybe God wants to bring you back into a place where you'll lay prostrate in an altar and say, God, I'm not leaving till this thing changes in my life because you're not trying to get three steps to turn it around and four keys in order to be blessed. You're ready to get in the presence of God and not let go until something changes in your life. Ooh, touch it ever say, I'm going back, I'm going back. I'm going back to where God used to speak to me. I'm going back to where God used to hear, I used to hear him, and I used to know he heard me. I'm going back to my prayer closet. I'm going to get the Gucci's out, and I'm going to put myself back in. I'm going, oh God, is anybody with me right now? I'm going back to the walk I had. I'm going to go back to fasting like I used to fast. I'm going to go back to worshiping on my way to work like I used to worship. I'm going to go back to walking and spending time with him so that he can pour over me one more time because I miss God. I miss his glory. I miss his presence in my life. When I used to be powerful, before I was popular, now I reach more people, but I have less of And I equate my success by how many people I While I don't possess those. And I've changed everything to fit with them. Now I'm their pastor. Quiet now. I might as well. I'm their pastor. But I'll, I'll pass the blunt with them. Why even here? Because after all, they recognize I'm just a man like they're in. Because I'm Scotty. And now we're real. And we're human. And they know all our flaws. But now we have no voice. We have no authority because I became a friend when they needed a father. Now I got a church full of buddies 
but no son. And now I can't make an investment because they don't have a right to an inheritance. Because they don't respect me enough to honor me. And if there is no honor, there can be no inheritance. Because a friend can't leave you in the, in the inheritance. It takes a father to pass the goods. And there he is in the pig pen doing what he never... Do you understand who he is? He, he is a prince of Israel. And he's in a pig pen of all places. The one thing that no Jew, Israeli person touches. Is anybody with me? The one thing that you just don't touch, the one thing that you equate everything that is against God to, a pig. Now I'm in hanging with what I hate. Not only that, but now I'm ready to eat the pods, the slop that the swine are eating. And, 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 and this, this is where all the old preachers used to get us. And then they tell you this. Here's the thing they say. This, this is the whole message from the old church. You ready? Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. And it'll make you cost you more than you want to pay. That's the three-point outline of the church in the Old Testament. And that's a good message. We can go home and go, yeah, we're home for roast. Amen. But it's okay if we take another step. Because this wasn't about his condition. This is about his position. He didn't look down into the into the into the into the, the, the pig pen and go, look at me. Look at the mess I am. He didn't go, how did I get in the mess? I, how, I'm, look at the swine. Look at I, I got such filth on me. I'm about to eat. How can I eat this? He didn't look at his condition. He didn't say, oh, I need to take a bath. Because his problem was not his condition. The problem is his position. Because if I change my position, it will change my condition. The problem, the problem is not what I'm in, it's where I am. The problem is that I'm in this because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But it's deeper than where I'm supposed to be. It's about who I am that gives me right to where I'm supposed to be. Because when he, the Bible says that when he got ready to eat the pods that the swine did eat, that he came, oh God, oh somebody's about to have this moment and hear it, where you, he came to himself. I love that because it lets us know that there's two of us. It lets us know that at all times there's two natures working in you. Oh, there's who you really are and who the enemy told you. Oh. There, it's who you are and what you've done. 
and what you've been through and all the mistakes you've made and all the mess you've gone through and all the hurts you've been through. And there's times when the enemy wants to use what you've done to pull you from who you are until when you look in the mirror, you don't only see yourself anymore. You see what your life has become. You see what you've gone through. You've seen what you faced. But I love it because he said, but when he came back to himself. Oh, Lord have mercy. I call you back to yourself. I call you back to who he said you are. I call you back to the glory that is in you. I call you back to the, who God called you before the foundation of the world. That's who you are. Who God says you are. May you come back to yourself. Let us know that the greatest thing that all his spending cost him was himself. And before God can restore you back to him, he's got to restore you back to you so you can call back on him. Oh, oh. And he came back to himself. Oh, this is so good. I want the CD myself. He came back to himself. And when he came back to himself, suddenly he realized who I am does not fit where I am. Because who I am belongs somewhere else than where I am. And how can I be who I am and be where I am? And suddenly he says, I will arise. And go back to my father's house. <laughs> he said, my problem is not a bath. My problem is not cleaning up this junk on me. Because if I just take a bath today, I'll be right back in here. To not my condition. The answer is my position. I got to get back to where I belong. I got to get back to where I'm supposed to be. And he comes, he says, I will arise because, watch this, he said, because in my father's house, even the servants have greater than this. And he said, I will, here's my answer, I will come back to my father, even though I'm a son. And I'll tell him I have no more right. I'm willing to be a servant. I'd rather be a servant in your house than a son lost from your house. And when he starts coming back, and this is where we're getting to and I'm done. He comes running back to the father. Why? Watch this. Here's what's going to mess somebody up. Because the Bible never says that the father went looking for the son. See, that's what some people like. Some people like for dad to go on a manhunt. So we leave just to see how much he loves. So we leave the house just to see if you'll track me down. Because if you'll track me down, then I know you love me and you want me. That's the whole reason why your kids threatened to run away. Remember that? You remember when they were, th remember when they were, 
Remember when they were eight years old? They said, I'm going to run away. You just started laughing like you funny. You're a funny joke. Yeah, you're going to go find you in a ditch somewhere. What's it? It's because we thought we could control it. We thought we would pull on the heartstrings of mom like the moment that she thought that we would leave. And she'd be like, oh, I will go find you. No, the father never left the house to go find the son. Why? It's because if a son goes searching for, if a father goes searching for sons, when he brings the son back, the son can call it manipulation. But I have to wait till a son comes to a father. Because now, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. See, because now when the son comes back to a father, now the father can do what a father's called to do without the son calling it manipulation. Because now when I teach you and train you and correct you, somebody say that's a dirty word, that's a dirty word. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the one thing this generation doesn't know how to do is be corrected. But they don't know that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, that they may be called sons and not, that's a bad word, bastards, illegitimate children. The sign that you're a legitimate heir of God is that you let God correct you. Sometimes you've got to let God's word do more than just and just inspire you, edify you, encourage you. Sometimes you got to let the word slap you to the floor. The word get down and prick you in the inside and make you cry out, God, I'm sorry. Because if he didn't love you, he would never correct you. But now he waits for the son because now the son can't say, well, you brought me back. You begged for me to come. You went, I told you I didn't want to be there no more, and you went and go hunt me down. You told me you changed this and you changed that for me to come back. But it doesn't mean just because the father doesn't go search for him that the father doesn't love him. Because the father's been waiting all the time for that moment. And I can see the father doing standing outside the kitchen window. I can see him sitting there with his morning coffee at the, at the coffee nook overlooking the back veranda. And I can see him just every morning how he looks over that sunrise and horizon saying there might be a more. There might be a morning. Let there be a morning when I see more than just an S-U-N come over that horizon. Let there be a morning when my sun rises again. And here comes that morning. And the sun comes running to the father's house. And I see the father just drop his coffee. As he busts through the back door. And comes running to his son. The Bible says he ran. It's because it's not that I didn't love you. It's just I would wait on you. But when I see you coming to me, 
All I needed was for you to draw me. Because if you try to get draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. He said there's no mountain that's too tall. There's no wall I won't kick down. There's no something that I won't tear down. Come running after you. If I see you coming when he runs, the Bible says he came to where he was. And the Bible says he fell on him. It didn't say that he hugged him. It said he fell on his neck. The reason he fell on him was because he needed to know you're still under me. Oh, God. I'm still over you. I still cover you. Oh, is anybody with me? That you never left my grip. Even when you sight, you were still my son. Even when you were lost, you were so. And he said, now I'm falling back over your life. I'm still your protection. I'm still your cover. And the son said, I don't have a right. Look at what I've done. Look at where I've been. Look at what I've gone through. Look at how much I turned my back on you. Look at how many times I knew what you wanted me to do and I went a different direction. Why would you even let me back? The father turns to the servant and he says, go get me two things, three things. Four things. The first thing I need him to have is my robe. I want you to get my robe and then get my ring. The order of this is very important because both of them speak to authority. I want him to know that he's still my son so much that he still has my blessing and my power and my authority. But I can't give the ring before I give the robe. I have to give the robe, then the ring. Why? Is because I have to let, he has to submit under my covering before I can put him in my authority. Because if I put my ring on his finger, wherever that finger points, it must obey. If I put my ring on his finger, when he speaks to this one, it will go this way. When he speaks to that one, it will go that way. But I can't put him in authority until he submits under my authority. I need See, we have a lot of people that want the ring, but don't want the robe. But you can't get the ring. Until you're under the robe. He said, put my robe on. He said, gotcha. And now I put my ring on your hand. Watch this. That means everywhere you speak and command, I release my authority to bring you into obedience. He said, go get the shoes and put them on his feet. have time. But all ministry comes down is the feet washing. 
That's why before he left, he gave the greatest illustration after dinner to give them what ministry was going to be for the rest of their life. He said, everything in ministry is going to come down to this. You getting down. They can't come up to you. You got to get down to them. But when you get down to them, just don't get down to them just to dig, hang out down here with them. He said, all ministry is going to come is that he took off his robe. He said, yes, I need you to get real. But don't get real just to be real. He said he took off the robe, put on a towel, and got down and washed their feet. Peter said, you can't wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have parts with me. He said, what do you mean? He said, because all ministry, you don't know what I'm doing, but you. Oh, yes, you will, Pastor Peter. Because you're going to find out that everything you ever do in ministry comes down to this. Your whole ministry is going to come down to you washing off of people where they've been. So they can walk in where they've never gone before. He said, get the shoes. He said, now every step you take is under my authority. My authority is going to go before you. That means before you get there, I got there. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. That means the moment you let my authority lead you and order steps by the Lord is the moment that now I'm there before you get there because I dare you to walk anywhere and not let your foot get there before you do. My father just had the most greatest physical attack he's ever had in his life. Blessed my heart like crazy yesterday when I walked in the house and he wasn't in that chair and he was walking. Because he can tell you today, before you get there, that foot's got to get there. He said, get the shoes. And then lastly, he said, because the shoes let me know you'll let me lead you. Then he said, get the fatted calf. Because now that you'll let me lead you, now I can feed you. Because you have no right for me to feed you until you first let me lead you. See, we raise a generation that want to come to church for God. We just no longer want to submit to him leading us. But understand, God never feeds you until he leads you. <laughs> That's why he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That means the pasture is where God feeds you. He doesn't feed you out of his hand. He takes you to the place where you will feed in the pasture. But he said, I can't get you to the pasture until you let me leave. For this my son was lost. Was dead. And is alive. Lift your hands with me all over this room. I feel God so strong in this room. I'm done. Presence of God is so strong. Stand with me all over this house. Stand with me. Lift your hands right now. Thank you, Jesus.
Does anybody feel what I feel in this room? The presence of the Lord is so strong in this place. Why'd you end this series today? Because I want somebody to hear this and understand this. He said, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will send the spirit of Elijah. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lest I smite the earth with a curse. That means the answer to the, the feeling like, God, everything in my life is going wrong is not in the condition of your life. He said it's in the position of your life. He said as long as you're outside of the Father, sooner or later, you wind up where you never thought you'd be. And he said at that moment, it's not about what you're in. It's about where you are. But you're never too far to come running back to the Father. And if you come running back, He's not waiting to crush you. He's not waiting to beat you. He's been waiting all the time to restore. <laughs> He's waiting to wrap His covering around you. Your hands raised all over this room. Just worship him for a moment. Just thank him for his love. 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 Just thank him that he's never left you, even when you left him. He's never forsaken you, even when you walked in a different direction. He never abandoned you, but he waited patiently on you. And all you've been through may have separated you from a lot of things in your life and cost you a lot of things, but the one thing it's never cost you is His love. Because nothing can separate you. 